It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What is going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. It's 2023. The podcast took a week off for the first time, and I want to say about three years. Uh, and we're back, and we're excited to be here. Jake Elliott, Santino Farah with you here for EP216 of Lax Class. Tino, Happy New Year, my friend. Uh, we haven't talked in quite some time, prior to Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. So, how's Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, it was a very welcomed break for myself. Unfortunately, the the episode that I had to miss was because of that whole snowstorm, and I was right. uh, I was stuck out on the road. Snowmageddon. So, uh, snowmageddon. So, but I listened to the episode the next day. Like uh, it, it was it was a good one, even though you were going solo. Like I'm sure you've done that a lot throughout your career. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a good episode. Um, and then yeah, did a lot of. Just kind of hang. I still had some broadcasting like obligations that I had to do and jobs that I was doing on my break, but I basically had a week and a half off from my day job, which was really welcomed. The one you hate, right? No, the one that I absolutely can't stand. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, but uh, made my way down. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk. Like, there's so much we have to catch up. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I know. I uh, had. I had a bunch of. uh, I got to talk with Kevin Michael Winkler like a ton over the break. Oh, you we picked up some Blundstones, didn't you? Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, I'm glad, actually, because I know on the last episode, uh, you wanted, you were hoping that I was there to be able to talk about my experience in there yes. getting some. Okay, some well, save for... that because we got, uh, we got who you got coming up later. You can do that. Oh, yeah. You oh, can yeah. do that. Then. And then uh, rounded out the year right before, right before New Year's, Jen and I went up to Whistler to go have a spa day at that Scandinavian spa, oh. which was just unreal. Get a pedicure. And, uh, What'd you do up there? Did you get your hair done or what? No, no, just, uh, just had a, a massage booked there. Uh, each of us had our own, and then they have like all the baths that are there that you can go and okay. do the cold bath. And Above then, the uh, waist, I'm hoping, Tino. Above the waist. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. And uh, yeah, so it was a really welcome break for myself, and uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you had some good family time in there as well. What uh, I did, what what Santa bring? Uh, what did Santa bring me? So we do secret Santa with Jen's family. Mm-hmm. So I got my secret Santa, her brother-in-law got me a, uh, it's like a portable ping pong table set. It's like, it's like the net that can extend and go onto any table. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm fired up to use that in the summer when we go up to Lakeside in, in Oliver. Okay. And then Jen got me a, uh, a laptop bag so that if I'm in Rogers arena or somewhere professional, I don't have to look like a scrub with a backpack. Very on. important, you know, uh, yes. So, uh, gotta so. have the attache, the satchel, some, yeah. some sort of, uh, High-end bag there. So, uh, good <laughs> good on you, man. Um, what else is going on here? Let's see. Uh, New Year's? What would you do for New Year's? New Year's, we got a last-minute invite to... Uh, so, my brother and, and sister-in-law's... Uh, they're, they're, some of their friends were having uh, like a little gathering just at a house in Maple Ridge. So, we got a... Okay. 
last minute invite there. Um, spent most of, of, I mean, we're, so we're recording on Monday. So yesterday being Sunday, spent most of that being pretty hungover. Didn't get uh, caught up in the King tide out there in white rock or anything like that. No, no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy times. I, we got to hear about your, uh, we got to hear about your Christmas. Yeah. Um, uh, Christmas. Let's see. Well, spent a couple of days out there at, at Danny's place in, in White Rock, uh, avoid the King tides as well. She's up on top of the hill, but, um, so I had a couple of nice days there. Then quick turnaround and brave the elements up to Penticton, uh, just after boxing day, which Looking back, Tino, probably not the smartest thing I've ever done with the road conditions, but, uh, you know, need need to see my sister. My daughter really wanted to go up there. So if I wasn't as confident as a driver as I am, like I, <laughs> it was not a stress-free four-hour jaunt up to the <laughs> Okanagan. Let's just say that. But uh, we made it up there safe and sound, made it back, um, had a good Christmas. New Year's, unfortunately, was not. Um, as good, you know, over the holidays, we, we lost an incredible man in one Dr. Donald Hedges, uh, Canadian lacrosse hall of famer. And just a guy that has helped so many lacrosse players over his, I mean, athletes, Olympic athletes, soccer, rugby, you name it, but lacrosse players in particular, not only with, with injuries, Tino, but has really helped save some guys' lives through the lacrosse community, getting them clean and, and sober and, and off drugs and alcohol. And there's there's just countless amounts of stories that people have of Doc who has helped them in, in one fashion or another. I know he helped me get through a, a knee surgery and a back surgery. He was my, my general practitioner as well and, and a friend and a confidant and got real sick, had a had a rare autoimmune disease and just kind of deteriorated pretty quickly and, and had a, a planned end of life, uh, end of life assistance just over, you know, in between Christmas and, and New Year's. And, and that happened um, just prior to, to the 30th. And, and it was, you know, a, a overwhelming outpouring of, of empathy and thoughts and prayers to, to Doc and, and well-deserved, of course. Um, just a, a beautiful, beautiful human being that did so much for uh, the, the sport of lacrosse and, and the players who played and, and the people around it. So, uh, that was a tough loss, and then to to kind of pile on to that, you know, like we 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 didn't do much on New Year's. We were, we kind of just laid low, had a nice dinner, and watched a bunch of sports, and kind of turned in pretty early. And and unfortunately, Danny and I woke up to a phone call early in the morning that you never want to get. Um, and bear with me here. Um, he, Danny's father, um, passed away very suddenly on on New Year's Day. Um, which you know just took us back and, and put us into shock a little bit. And, and, and we, you know, raced over to her parents' place and her mom was there and it just, I don't know. I, I still, I, I still can't believe it. You know, uh, you know, we, we saw him over the Christmas break. He was there for dinner and, and, you know, happy, healthy. Um, you know, I didn't get to know him as well as probably I should have or wanted to over, over the time. Like we just didn't spend a lot of time together, but you know, it just, the way he raised Danny, I know what kind of father and what kind of man he was and what kind of husband he was. He's was, he was with his wife for over 50 years and just 
painful, man. Just, uh, you know, I, I lost my dad just over a year and a half ago and, and now Danny's going through it. And, and, you know, I guess that's what a relationship's kind of all about. This is the time that you need to lean on your partner and, and be there and support each other. So tough way to, to start out the year. And, and I don't want to make this podcast all gloom and doom, but I wanted to make sure I, I took a minute to, to kind of recognize both those gentlemen in, in Don Hedges and, and Ron Greening, who uh, both left us way too soon. Uh, you know, I don't know what there is to say about that, Tino, but if, if you want to say something, here's your opportunity. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, like, I, I can't even imagine what, what that's like for, for Danny. So my thoughts are with her. Um, I, I You'll probably remember in the summer we ha- had, like, had a scare with my dad that yeah. didn't end up being anything too crazy. And not that I'm trying to compare the two situations whatsoever, but my, my first thought is just with it being such a sudden thing and, and being so unexpected, when we had that scare with my dad, obviously you just you immediately assume the worst and it, it almost broke me so yeah it puts uh, puts things in per- perspective as 100 well, right? yeah. so danny like obviously our, our thoughts are, are are with her and and her entire family and in, in regards to doc so i didn't really have I, I have one experience with him and it was from when i was when i was a little kid and like I, I had to confirm this with with my dad as well because it, it was such a long time ago. But I was in this minor lacrosse tournament when I think I think I was in Tyke or it might have still been mini Tyke or something in Coquitlam, and I took this really bad hit and ended up getting it ended up being my first concussion. But mm. um, after I get helped off the floor and, uh, and stuff like that, um, we were told, yeah, we had like we have a doctor here that's that's going to come and check you out. And like at that age, it's not like you have a team doctor. Yeah, there was just yeah. a doctor in the building or whatever. So yeah. I get taken beh- behind the building, and I'm I'm sitting down on these stairs behind the the Coquilla Marina, and it's Doc, and he's there giving this Maple Ridge kid. He's like giving me a whole like the one check out. Yeah, yeah, he's got the flashlight in my eyes. I don't know if they still do that with concussions or not, but trying to see like my pupils are dilated and stuff, and. Yeah, years later when I'm at, like confirming that story, yeah, it was Doc. Yeah. Just helping out this this concussed child at the time. So <laughs> I mean, I, there you go. That's just one of of a thousand stories uh, that that guys have about Doc Hedges. So um yeah, we didn't we didn't go last week, Tino, right? Like we would have had to record on Boxing Day to to get it out on on the 27th and I was traveling up to the Okanagan. I didn't want to bug anybody on christmas to come on the show on boxing day so it just you know you know how i hate to take a week off but if there was ever a week that need to be taken off i think that was it it just kind of felt right to do it and i'm glad i did it It was a nice little kind of break away but i'm i'm fired up to get back into the chair here get the headset on and uh, record the podcast again here and we got a great program coming up we're going to ease back into things here, Tino, and just go with one guest this week. And it's a good one. We got we never talked to this guy yet. And it is the voice of the San Diego Seals and the, the Western ESPN Game of the Week crew. Play-by-play man Cooper Perkins uh, of Lax Metrics will join us in quarter number two. Been a fan of Cooper's work since he's joined the National Cross League, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with Cooper Perkins coming up in quarter two. We're going to break up Lax Class Locks and who you got this week. So Lax Class Locks in quarter three. Who you got coming up in quarter number four? Tino, don't let me forget not only to announce our contest winners for both who you got and Lax Class Locks, but 
Got the new sponsor, Mitch Jones, now on board here for 2023 as well. Rycor is back. Associated Labels is back. And Stampede Tack is back as well. And they're sponsoring quarter number one here for the week that was. Who we had. Uh, we didn't really make picks last week. And, oh, Tino, you better buckle up for quarter number four, boy. Because you're going to get shamed like nothing I've ever done before. So just oh, baby. prepare yourself for that because <laughs> I am none too happy with you when it comes to who you got. And if you haven't figured out why yet, you might want to think about that for a little bit. But Stampede Tack is sponsoring quarter number one. And we got some new information here from Stampede Tack. Christmas holidays are over. The new year has begun. Time to get back to work. And if your work requires you wear CSA-approved safety boots, have a visit to Stampede Tack. They have plenty of boots and gear to get you ready on the job site, including the Ariat Workhog H2O Men's Cowboy Boot. I mean, you could just buy that off the title alone. But they're waterproof, puncture-proof, resistant to any type of weather, competent safety toe, and most importantly, they have the traditional Western styling that you can only find at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Out there in Cloverdale, you know where it is, Tino. Out there in the Dale. Quarter of Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there since 1966. Or you can hop online where shopping online is still shopping local at stampede.ca. Three games on a light week five. No week four because of the holiday break. They go right to week five here, Tino. And it starts out with what probably was the marquee matchup of the slate. Friday night in Buffalo, Bandits and Thunderbirds. Unfortunately for yours truly, on the parlay, you know, I picked the under in this one. It was anything but as it was an 18-13 final for the Bandits. And little pe- people a little worried about Buffalo at the start of the year. A little bit of a slow start there for the defending Eastern Conference champions. But they go up against a very good Halifax team here. And Buffalo comes out on top by five on their home floor. 15K. Inside the Key Bank Center there in a snowy, snowy Buffalo. I don't know how many times Gertler mentioned the snowstorm there in Buffalo, but it was pretty wild scenes. But Banditland showed up for this one, and the Bandits showed up as well, 18-13. Yeah, I, so you mentioned how, like, slow start for Buffalo. Now they seem to be rolling and stuff, and, and these next few games are, are important to watch for them. I think, you know, after a hot start for Halifax and – then this showing against Buffalo, which wasn't a bad show. I mean, I don't really think Warren Hill looks like himself. Yeah. I think there's maybe something going on there. But now this next game, or I would say this next stretch of games for Halifax, are potentially season-defining a little bit, I would say, just based on how last season they had such a hot start, like they have so far in this one as well. And then they kind of fizzled out or they went through a really rough stretch where things seem to be imploding a little bit here. Yeah. So I think if they want to help their narrative that this season is different and they're taking another step this season in comparison to last, I think we need to see a really big consistent rebound performance 
for the next stretch of weeks here for the Halifax Thunderbirds. I like it. Uh, what did I see? Matt Vince setting a career high in saves in this game, I think, Tino, if I'm not mistaken. 44 of them. I, he allows 13, but he, like, I don't think Buffalo wins this game without Matt Vince, which you could probably say pretty much every single game, but Josh Byrne goes off for 12 points. Uh, Dane Smith had a big one. Jake Withers was absolutely oh dominant in the faceoff. Dot twenty eight for thirty five, and you know faceoffs matter, team. Well, maybe they don't. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Withers with a dominant performance over Adler, not quite enough. This thing got a little rough and tumble at the end of it as well. And I think a real rivalry starting to brew between the Thunderbirds, who are of course the old Rochester Nighthawks, and there's still a little carry over there. And that was a big-time rivalry. But I think this new Halifax-Buffalo rivalry is starting to crank up a little bit, which I'm here for. I like it. Uh, One more game going on on Friday night down in Calgary, Alberta. It was the Calgary Roughnecks against the San Diego Roughnecks. You with me on that, Tino? San Diego Roughnecks there. Tyler Pace. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And another shootout here at the Saddle Dome. What do we got here? 31 goals put up between these two teams. And Calgary gets off to a very slow start. They're behind the eight ball in this game. They're down, what, 13-5 at halftime, 7-2 after one. And they made a great push in in the second half. But you cannot dig yourself a hole like that, like Calgary did, and then expect to come back. Nice little video tribute there to, to Curtis Dixon. But it was one Dane Doby who had the spotlight on him once again, nine points. What do you have, six goals in the first half, Tino? (laughs) Dane Doby loves playing lacrosse inside the Saddle Dome, and uh, San Diego still undefeated, 17-14 the final in this one. Yeah, and I mean, Curtis Dixon, again, like not not exactly a night to scoff at or anything like that, eight points, four Mm -hmm. and four for himself, 11 shots on goal, so... Kind of not a statement game. I mean, the people at Calgary know that know what he can do, but or know what he can do. So, um, but obviously, just a tale of two different halves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Calgary almost storms all the way back there in the in the third and fourth. But uh, you said it best. You can't you can't wait that long to have a start. And I think, uh, I mean, I obviously just said it like tale of two halves, but. Dale Bianco's first half to his second half, like completely different. I mean, I think he had four assists in the, like in the game in total. So yeah. after he kind of found his footing, like he looked like the Del Bianco that we're used to seeing. And one thing about San Diego as well is we, we go back to that week two game against, uh, against Saskatchewan when they had three quarters where they were just asleep. Yeah. And not to say that they were asleep in the second half of this game, like full credit to Calgary for almost mounting their comeback. But I wonder if this is sort of a theme with San Diego that we're going to potentially see. I mean, like it's stomp you for three quarters and then take our foot off the pedal sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's like a consistency thing. Maybe they just know that they only have to show up for short stretches or something. But now we've seen two pretty important games for San Diego where, there's a large stretch of time when 
they're not all that productive. And I bet you we're going to see some teams try to take advantage of something like that. Yeah, Curtis Dixon was asked about that after the game. And, and he said, listen, yeah, like we haven't lost yet, but we're not particularly happy with where our game's at. We got lots of things to work on. They're not happy. They're not satisfied. So pretty nice position to be in to, to not have an L in, in the column but also some some room to grow as well. And you need to remember, like, Calgary with Hayden Dixon and Tanner Cook and Kyle Waters, like, this is a fairly young offense. Kurt Malowski's offense is not exactly easy to, to pick up and, and learn right away. And, and I think it's going to take a little time for this new-look Calgary offense to kind of get it. You got Pace and, and Kinger there who, who know the ins and outs, but, um, you know, it's still going to be a bit of a work in progress there in Calgary offensively, and yeah, Del Bianco was was sensational. I think something that needs to concern San Diego a little bit, though, Tino, is the fact that, yes, it comes in another win here, but Frank Shiliano pulled once again in favor of Chris Origlieri down the stretch to kind of seal, no pun intended, the victory. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited that we're having Cooper Perkins on for this episode because I want to ask him about um, maybe some load management in regards to Shiliano a little bit. I know it's been brought up before that he has had a tendency in the past to have a lesser. Yeah. Or here's where I come out on that. Tino, here's where I come out on that. Like Dylan Ward, Del Bianco, Matt Vince, Nick Rose, whoever you want to like, you know, put up in the upper, upper echelon of goaltenders. They don't need load management. Right, And if Frankie wants to be the man and be the number one guy and lead this team to a championship like everybody thinks that this team is ready to, to win, that can't be a concern for him. Like he doesn't, they don't, load management should not be a thing for a goaltender when you're playing one game a week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think you're wrong, but, you know. He's a big boy, I get for, it. And he's played a lot of lacrosse over the last year, calendar year, right, with the run to the Man Cup and all the rest of it. But you got to be able to go and play a full 60 every single week in the National Lacrosse League, whether you're a player or a goaltender. The only thing I would say to that, though, is just, and again, I don't think you're wrong, but no two athletes, I don't think you can say are the same. So if we're, if we have a potential to see a Frank Chiliano at, you know, this un, unheard of pace. Yeah where he's only where he has to play half of the games or whatever, maybe it's more than half, like who's to say really, then, you know, if you're San Diego, why aren't, why wouldn't you try that? You know, the, if, if this is, you're trying to get a championship for Brody, you have this star studded offensive lineup. If, if a little bit of load management for Shiliano helps the overall goal of sure of winning a championship, you do it. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. I just think that, if you look at the best of the best, none of these guys are are load, taking load management on. And I, quite frankly, I think that is a stupid saying that <laughs> Kawhi came up with. And I was going to say, you yeah, can thank Kawhi. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> so there was game number two. San Diego gets it done over Calgary. They take on Vancouver this coming weekend. And we'll talk about that as Vancouver made a bit of a lineup change over the weekend as well. But I think here's another prime example. Alexis Bouquet, Tino, in Saskatchewan, off to a fantastic start, and then sometimes has trouble finishing off games. And 
he managed to do it in this scenario, but Panther City pushes back a little bit in, in the second half. This was pretty tight the entire way, really. It was a, a goal at, at halftime and a, and a goal in the second half, and that was kind of the difference in this one is I had the under and buff. I thought Hill and Vince were going to just have a duel, and then these two last games were going to be high scoring. The Calgary game was, but this one, only 20 goals put up in it. Uh, the Rush get 11 of them. Panther City gets nine of them there on New Year's Eve in Toontown. Looked like a good time after the game. Looked like a good time during the game there in Saskatchewan, as it always is. What would you take away from this Rush-Panther City matchup? I I mean, the Rush are back, I think. You know, like, I think we're gonna see this this 1a 1b tandem like if, if every if there's any concern for the rush it's their goaltending that's what it's been coming into the season between penny and bouquet mm. but i i think the rush are back we're seeing them in their previous form where their defense is kind of relentless and even though panther city had a push it's funny like like saying they had they had a push in the second half and i don't disagree with you but just looking at this at the like scoring throughout each quarter like these are low scoring quarters yeah um but I, I just think the rush's defense is kind of suffocating. And I actually like a Tracy Kaleski offense against the Saskatchewan defense. I think that's a really good matchup for just generally speaking, an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my overall takeaway is Saskatchewan's back. Like watch out. I don't think anybody wants to play them in a, obviously this is a, this is a ways away, but yeah. I don't think anybody wants to play them in a playoff game. A little early for, for that take, but uh, yeah, church and Matthews do their thing. Dinsdale chips in Marshall palace is kind of starting to, to look a lot more comfortable in the league. Now Tino from when he first broke in, he just looks a lot calmer and more poised out there. Courier did not play in this game. Madronic, you know, for a rookie, I think he's doing what he needs to do. Lintner, he knows the offense. He's going to chip in. So you're right. Like, I don't think the Rush are the high-powered offense that we once saw, but their defense is going to be so good that I think they're going to just score enough to, to get wins here. And that's what they did over Panther City and did it without uh, Ryan Dilks in the lineup. Isaac Enju getting his his NLL debut. So some good depth there. Like Jarrett Smith has really impressed me in the National Lacrosse League so far here. The, the kid out in Nanaimo and in Winnipeg, I believe. Manitoba is, is where he played his minor and uh, been real impressed with, with Jarrett Smith so far. But just not a lot of weaknesses in that rush lineup from top to bottom. That real solid from from the front end right to the back yeah and you're like naming guys that you really like from the Saskatchewan lineup as well mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for whether it's this year or in future years I'm waiting for Bobby Kidd the third to just break out and become kind of a transition stud in this league because yeah. that he's maybe the fastest kid I've seen and I think once he starts burying some transition opportunities, man, I think he's going to take over. Yeah, he's he's not far off. Like, I remember seeing Bobby Kidd very early on in his junior career, and it almost looked easy for Bobby Kidd. You know, like he could just juke guys and run around guys. He was just bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. And sometimes he he tried to do a little too much, like make it look too easy. You know what I mean? And, and then I think once he moved up a level, he's like, okay, like now I got to tone it back here a little bit. And I think his first year in Saskatchewan, 
from Jeremy Talevi and, and, and Derek Keenan, it was learn how to play defense because we know you can run. We know you can finish. We know you're an electric athlete, but we need you to learn the defensive system and be responsibly defensively. And then you can kind of let your skills take over a little bit once you're real sound and, and comfortable in that system. And I think after a year there, he's got that. And, and it's only going to get better and better for Bobby Kidd as, as the games and, and minutes move along. Yep, 100% agree. All right. Well, that makes for a boring podcast. Uh, Panther City, they're back in action this week as well, if I'm not mistaken. We'll talk about that coming up in quarter number four. But, you know, you know what's coming up right now. It's your favorite part of the program. I know it's mine as well. You know that it's also Danny's favorite part, Tino, and and what she's going through. So we got to make this week's horse noises extra special. Okay? So uh, pull on on the new uh, cowboy boots, those work hard ariats. Uh, Strap on the the saddle and, and tighten up the lasso and cinch up the hat, the belt buckle, all that stuff because we're heading for the Stampede Tax Stables. We have knee. Oh my god. I told you. Nay, nay, nay. I even did the I did the lip one this yeah, time. Yeah. I never do that. Okay, one. That's, that's pretty good. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Stampede, Tack, and Westermore. Well, we already talked about Stampede here in quarter number one, so we don't need to do that right now. But Stampede Stallions of the Week, as usual, Tino, you get to go first. Yeah, and this is a big one for me because uh, I got some ridicule on my last pick from when uh, Patty. Oh yeah, patches I, mean, I didn't want to bury you live on the air, but that was a pretty awful pick. You know what? Uh, you might just take your opportunities to bury me because uh, <laughs> it's was, uh, you picked the losing before. team two weeks in a row, and it was just kind of <laughs> like, all right. Hey, you praised my first yeah, pick, yeah. even though whatever. I just didn't want to hurt okay, you. so hopefully this one, uh, this one will make old old patches a little bit more happy. Um, but I'm going with local boy, Tyler pace. Mm. And, you know, he kind of went a little like lacrosse viral a little bit with his, <laughs> with his blow the doors off yeah. uh, or, or beat the doors off or whatever the exact quote was. I'm just going to stop you right there though. But, and, and that was, you know, that was some hot lava out of, out of Pacers mouth there. And, uh, you know, Hey, sometimes when you interview a guy right after a game like that and a big win and a rivalry win at that. Like some things are going to be said. And, and I think Tyler kind of takes on the persona of his head coach. Like he just spits whatever comes to his mind in that department. But I really got a kick out of San Diego taking <laughs> Tyler Pace's audio and using it against him. That was really well done. Whoever's running that seals account. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was good. But uh, he, he obviously was was very vocal about how he wasn't happy with his week one performance. Three, like put up three points, three assists, but he wasn't happy with how he how he was shooting. But since then, he's gone on to put up nineteen points in three games. And all the talk about Calgary is how you know obviously they lost Doby and then they lost Dixon, and now it's become more of in terms of their offense, at least it's, it's by committee, as opposed to, I think Kurt Miloski just, just said recently, like, we can't just give it to a guy 
anymore and say, we need you to, we need you to make something happen. This, uh, this, this run or whatever. So I think while they're doing this by committee, I think Tyler Pace has take has taken another step this season. Um, you know, not that he needed to take another like monster step by any means, but I think he's taken on that new role as as the guy in terms of the righties. Yeah, he's uh, a leader like, over there. No question. Yeah, about alongside it. with Jesse King on on the other side. And we know this is kind of King's offense, but um Tyler Pace has sort of taken the reins for the righties and and I'm here for it. Yeah. No, I agree, man. And the listen, the kid is is a winner, man. Like he, you know, win DU, win won a Minto Cup. He's he's been right in the mix for a manner, and he's got an NLL championship already. Like this, this guy wins wherever he plays. And again, I think it was a bit of a slow build for Tyler Pace his first couple of years, and of course he had the travel trouble and all and all that sort of stuff. But now you know, in and out every single game, he's he's taken his game to another level. So I like the addition to the stable there. I am uh, going to the East, so I don't get accused of being a Western bias podcast uh, from one Steve Dietrich, who I, who I had a quick chat with over the, <laughs> over the New Year's holiday. Truth be told, I tried to get the chosen one, TN1, on the podcast this week. He can be a little elusive. I didn't get a reply back from Tahoga, which I didn't really expect, but uh, you know, I wished, wished Chugger a happy New Year, and finally he got back to me, and I said, oh, by the way... Uh, Trying to have some balance on the podcast this week. Reached out to Dehoga, didn't get a reply, but you know, hey, I, I tried. And he goes, I should have known that your Happy New Year had a precursor to it. <laughs> he saw right through me, Tino. He saw right through me. I said, No, no. I said, That's okay. But uh, just so you know, I tried. I tried, Chugger. <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's why we ended up with one guest uh, this week. Just didn't didn't get the reply from Dehoga, which. Um, who knows? He might listen to this and feel bad. He might not. But uh, I'm going with the Buffalo Bandits anyways, and I am taking one Joshua Byrne, who has the 12 points, Tino, but he has seven goals on 11 shots. <laughs> I didn't even realize that before I had picked him. Seven goals on 11 shots. Three cause turnovers in there as well for Burner. And was really the kickstarter for the Bandit offense. When you kind of need it to get going a little bit, I find that the, the ball ends up in the stick of 22. And more often than not, he's the guy that kind of gets the party started in Buffalo. And uh, speaking of Byrne, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Josh Byrne and Dane Smith have a new little podcast. I out. was just going to bring that up. <laughs> and uh, this looks like it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. These two are the, the best of buddies on the floor and off the floor and and now got themselves a, a little studio podcast show going. They had Patrick Coletta on their first episode. I checked out a bunch of that, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more. But this week, Josh Byrne, 12 points, 7 goals, 11 shots, 3 cause turnovers, and a big bandit win is my stallion of the week. Love that. And, you know, we got to watch out for Byrne, too, because while he's ripping it up on the floor right now, he's obviously already got his foot in the door in the broadcasting world. Mm. So And he's he way might... prettier than both of us. Like, he's way so... prettier. Coming for our jobs there, Jumbo. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I saw you uh, had a little photo dump there. Old Jumbo made the cut. You had the old uh, pick up there in the broadcast booth when you made your <laughs> NLL broadcasting debut. I was pretty pumped about that. 
yeah, hoping to uh, hoping to make a return sometime this season. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, congratulations on. Uh, I know it's a big list. Everyone wants to be on Tino's 2022 wrap. So congratulations. Yeah, I didn't do one of those. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you probably would have been on it, Tino. I'm not going to lie to you. All right, uh, welcome to the stable, Tyler Pace and Josh Byrne. You were this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week, and we'll have a couple more for you next week. <laughs> Uh, we got to get to break now, though, because we got the voice of the San Diego Seals and ESPN Game of the Week. Cooper Perkins is coming up in quarter two. Keep it right here, EP 216, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Reese Dutch, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into the second quarter of action, which is brought to you by Rycor Construction. So, Ryan, uh, over the holidays, uh, jo- the Port Coquitlam Junior Saints, Tino, were training in like mid December at the forum in the freezing, freaking cold. I could not I was believe out there. it. Yeah, uh, un- yeah, that's right. You showed up a little later. Unbelievable. <laughs> But uh, Joshy Mills and the Junior Saints were out there, and Rycor Construction was was watching along as well. But uh, when he's not watching lacrosse, he's specializing in residential, interior and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks, fences, tons of experience, quality craftsmanship, and exceptional client experience. They got it all at Rycor Construction, and on top of that, Tino, they make it stand out. RycorConstruction.ca. Now, joining the podcast for the very first time, it is the voice of the San Diego Seals. He's the voice of the ESPN Western crew for the game of the week. He is the man behind Lax Metrics. It's Cooper Perkins on Lax Class. Coop, welcome to, to Lacrosse Classified. Thanks for doing this. Jake, thanks. I feel like a longtime listener calling in for the first time to give you my two cents and whatever y'all are chatting about. Yeah, well, uh, welcome aboard, man. Happy to have you. I know we probably should have did, did this a long time ago, but here we are uh, in 2023. Welcome aboard. And and I was saying to Tino, like, I want to kind of get your background in, in, in where you came from and how you found your way to not only lacrosse, but the National Lacrosse League. Because we've never we've never had a informal or a formal chat before. This is kind of the first time that that we're meeting. So let's let's kick it back here, man. Uh, how did you make your way in, in the broadcasting industry and and find your way to the San Diego Seals? So to touch back a little bit further on something you just said, my way into lacrosse. I actually grew up playing field lacrosse. Oh. So I am much more, uh, I guess, in the lacrosse universe and have been just not as a box guy, because we don't really have that out in California where I grew up. But from uh, first, second grade up, uh, I I was a lacrosse player. Uh, That was my my first and foremost sport. Where in California, uh, Kipper? Where in California were you? I grew up in L.A., Los Angeles. So I was kind of like the the first wave of, like, L.A. talent that came through. And, like, now they're churning out Division I players on an an annual basis, which is awesome. So I was kind of that first... Yeah, you know, seed group that really caught into it early on. So, you know, I, I grew up following it and whatnot. And, you know, Paul Rabel is my favorite player and, and the whole deal, just like every I'm not going to hold that against that you, Kipper. I'm not going to hold yeah, that yeah. against you. Well, you know, it's funny. I actually started playing goalie when I was a sophomore in high school. And my favorite player was Brett Queener at that point. Oh, yeah, so, he was uh, a beauty. There's a, there's a little bit of lacrosse background there. I'm, I'm newer to the box game, but. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, familiar faces and familiar names. Some guys I played against, you know, on the club circuit in high school. It's kind of weird seeing that now, 
Uh, but really fun to be kind of in the ecosystem again. And what were you, MIDI, Attackman, D-Guy? Or you said you are a goalie, right? Yeah, I was a goalie. Okay. I, I was uh, between the pipes there. Uh, it's funny, though. My parents said when I was trying to figure out what to do for college, I was a like a D3 level kind of player and had a few options that would be interesting, but their whole thing was there are no jobs in lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> and we all share a collective chuckle yeah. about that yes, because uh, that turned out to be delightfully wrong. But uh, broadcasting side, uh, went to school at USC in Southern California. Uh, actually went to school to study finance. So did three years of higher level math and all of that jazz and realized that that would be a pretty miserable career to stick to in the long term because <laughs> money can only buy so much happiness, yeah. not quite enough to yeah. make a lifetime out of it. So pivoted to trying to find something that I liked that matched some set of skills that I had. And I was always a good public speaker as a kid and loved sports. So figured maybe you can marry those two things together. And it turns out there's a job where they'll pay you to go to arenas and just talk about sports. So obviously, as you know, Jumbo, there's way more that goes into it than just that. But that was kind of the genesis of the idea. And uh, from one stop to another, all around the, the U.S., I've just kind of worked to hone things and, and get better and get myself to a, a level in a position where people trust me with assignments that are desirable. And, you know, fortunately, Josh Gross and the people at the San Diego Seals saw something in me and gave me the opportunity to do exactly that. So that kind of closed the circle on the lacrosse to broadcasting to broadcasting lacrosse. There you go. Uh, but I think that probably probably gives you a decent answer in what you're curious about. You hear that, Tino? There's, uh, Tino's more like D4 or D5 life. <laughs> so you, there's still some, some hope for you there, Tino. D4 would be generous. I played beer league. But yeah. – uh, I, I'm interestingly enough, I was also a goalie when I played field. So I want to, I want to know like, what's your worst goalie injury? Uh, I had a throat protector explode on me once. Oh <laughs> yeah. I was fortunate to get <laughs> and not out of in a good way. Anything bad happening. <laughs> no, not in a good way. But, uh, I was fortunate to get out of that one without any, anything real serious, but, uh, that was a scary one. Took a shot that just blew it up like it was made out of glass. Oh, my God. So getting back to the broadcasting side of things, you were obviously in the building for that, I think it was week two, the matchup between San Diego and Saskatchewan when, you know, through three quarters, San Diego had no business winning that game. And then obviously this big miraculous comeback to to eventually win in overtime. What was it like being in the building for that and and the overall just emotion in the arena? It was weird because they were horrible for three quarters, like just atrocious. And the first person to say that after the game was shooter, Josh Anderson, just for three quarters, we stood around and looked horrible. And then next thing you know, everything turns on like flipping a light switch. It was weird though, because that building just seems to breed bizarre, wild games. I don't think we've had anything that hasn't been at least moderately entertaining in the last two years. And uh, it was funny, right after the game ended, turned to, you know, broadcast partner Nick Asello, and both of us agreed immediately, I think we need a cigarette after that, because it was just <laughs> a lot to take in and a lot that happened very quickly. But oh, I hate to be I hate to be a Saskatchewan fan, because it seems like when they come down to San Diego, everything gets turned upside down in ways that they're probably not used to. And uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of it, obviously. The building's great. I think that... Like a lot of markets, San Diego might get a little bit of prodding and joshing about the attendance numbers, but you have to give good, the though, fan base the credit. It was they, good. Yeah. When they show up, they are 
among the best in sports on the West Coast. They are a passionate group that really gets behind the team. So the building was jumping. The building was awesome. I, I think that that fan base deserves a little bit more credit than they might get around the league just because of how passionate they are. You know, like lacrosse is a huge deal in Southern California and yeah. San Diego. No, I know. Selling people in the box game is a little bit of a challenge at times, but like there's the passion for it there. And I think you really got to see that on, on display in that Saskatchewan game. Yeah. Was, was Osella wearing shoes up in the broadcast booth? I know that was a bit of an issue. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he was wearing shoes, but uh, they didn't match his suit. He went black belt brown shoes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. As we're here with Cooper Perkins, and it's interesting, Cooper, because I, like, I think you've probably learned this by now, but like when you start to see a comeback like that happen in, in late in a game or whether it be in the second half or whatever, you can kind of feel that as a broadcaster starting to happen and start to see it happen and feel it happen. And it's almost the same thing down on the bench. When you get that snowball rolling, it just seems to kind of pick up steam. And, and it's kind of like that up in the booth too, right? I mean, you know, as well as I do, you want a good game to broadcast when they don't give you anything to work with. That's as difficult as it gets being on a microphone. Because you got to put lipstick on a pig or find a way to turn something that's not interesting into something that's a little bit interesting. You're preaching to the choir there, my man. Yeah. So anytime that you start to get a comeback or start to have something weird brew, it's obviously more fun than whatever they were putting out there for three quarters. And, you know, even with Saskin control, it's not like they were dominating in an entertaining way. I mean, it was kind of a, a slow anaconda stranglehold type of thing, but it's just fun. And I think that's what the league has to its advantage that other sports don't get to enjoy. And that's just how quickly a game can get turned on its head. And, you know, you kind of can't turn it off. We saw it again with the seals in Calgary this weekend, right? I mean, it's, it's 13 to five. There's not a pulse in the building. And then all of a sudden it's 17 to 15 for a quick second there at the end before they took that last goal away. But, you know, nothing is ever comfortable. And it's such a, a cliche thing to say, but it actually is true. And that's something that I had to come to learn. Uh, Granted, I I got to learn it fairly quickly because I'm fortunate to work for a team that's entertaining and talented and and interesting. A wagon, Cooper. A wagon, as I saw you tweet out uh, the other day. You are an unabashed San Diego Seals fan. There's no question about that. you got to be a little careful, man, now that you're the big ESPN guy. (laughs) You can't be, uh, you know, riding on on the the Seal train too hard anymore. But uh, maybe... Once I I start sending invoices to someone other than accounts payable at (laughs) SealsLax.com, maybe that'll change. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But does that maybe speak to this team in San Diego Cooper the fact that you know they were asleep at the wheel at home for for the better part of 45 minutes they turn it on for a quarter they beat Saskatchewan they absolutely pump Calgary in in the opening half and then kind of you know stick it on cruise control in the second half and do enough to win the game like this team's three and oh and I don't think they've played anywhere close to a full 60 minutes yet that's pretty comforting i would think if you're pat merrill and company it's as comforting as having holes in your team can be right like i think he'd be the first person to point out where those holes are and what the things are that they need to work on i mean first and foremost is consistency and then when you want to get into the minutia of things there are some other areas that definitely need to be cleaned up but like you said you know it's comforting anytime you're a three and O team there are only two of them in the league right now everyone else has at least a loss yeah so there's a lot to be optimistic about but 
it's also easy to look at things with recency bias and forget about those three quarters against Saskatchewan, right? Or just see the final result against Calgary and move on to the next thing and forget that they gave up nine out of 11 to finish the game. And I think one thing that Patty is really, really, really good about is he does not have a whole lot of recency bias about his outlook. He's a very sober, sober lens person in how he sees everything. So if there's anyone who's, you know, really well equipped to try and twist the screws in a way that, that uh, builds that consistency, he's probably the guy to do it. But, you know, like you said, you got to be happy with three and zero because results do speak for themselves at the end of the day. But it's definitely not a comfortable three and zero. It could be zero and three. Yeah, you know, it's we, also we, good. Seen it. Sorry, Cooper. It's also good. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I think it, like it's also good that yes, you are three and zero, but then there are areas as a coaching staff that you can point to saying like, let's not be satisfied here, boys. There's still lots of room for improvement in in a variety of areas. So. Although you, you have the record that you want, you also have the opportunity to coach it up a little bit and say, hey, like, yeah, we're 3-0, but we're far from perfect. Yeah, and I, I think just with how many vets they have on that team, that's a perspective that's pretty natural to them. You know, you got when you got guys like Curtis Dixon and Dane Doby and, you know, Westberg at this point is a vet in his own right. Those are guys who recognize what the truth is underneath that three and O record and are going to be the first ones that want to, you know, smooth out the, the kinks that have been you know visible at times. So I, I think the combination of, you know, the coaching staff that you have in place mixed with the pieces, not just the talent aspect of that, but you know, the leadership qualities and, and the fact that you have a bunch of winners who are in that dressing room definitely should be encouraging to fans, but it's also up to them to make those changes and to make that stuff happen. You know, like, you and I can talk about how it, you know, they need to do this, that, and the other, and we can't make it happen just by talking about it, and they can't make it just by talking about it. So, I'm curious to see how things play out. You know, I'm curious to see what they look like this weekend against a team they probably should have an opportunity to put together a complete game against. Granted, every team in the league is super capable of winning on any night, so that's a dangerous prospect, right? You go into things wanting to put together a complete game and focusing on rounding out the the product, but you still have an opponent that can jump up and beat you, especially Vancouver, given how competitive that series has been historically in the you know, three years that they've been playing each other. There, there are no easy outs in the league, especially not you know with, with a rival team like that. I, I want to hear your take on a guy like Frank Shiliano because we've talked on this program, even specifically like as recent as this episode about load management a little bit and how Frankie in the past has had a tendency to get off to a really hot start and then maybe fizzle out a little bit towards the postseason and, and into the playoffs. So I'm wondering from your perspective, if you think the seals should maybe be taking advantage a little bit of Chris Irrigliari and and getting him some more starts, or if this is just something that Frankie's got to work through. They do not pay me to make those choices or to think about those things very much. I will it's say it's all coming down to money for Cooper Yards, you know, eh? Everything's about the <laughs> follow, dollars. Follow the check, baby. Follow the check. No, but I, I think at the end of the day, there is a reason that he's a franchise tag player for them. You know, you don't waste that unless there is a player that's irreplaceable for one reason or another. And it's easy to forget just how 
quintessentially important he was to that team's start last year when they were nine and two because things faded a little bit down the stretch. And, you know, I'm not in the business of figuring out sports science in a way to tell you how to, you know, manage his load or, or keep him fresh. I mean, the dude's 31 years old and has been playing lacrosse almost as long as, you know, some of the guys in the league, including his backup, have been alive. So the idea that I have much to say that can uh, comment with any real authority on the subject matter probably isn't fair, but Chris is an awesome kid and a really, really talented player that I know they're super high on. So I could understand the temptation or the interest in wanting to develop him further. I think there definitely is a sentiment that he's got a very bright future in the league just by virtue of what his work ethic looks like. I mean, you should see the kid without his pads on. He's a he rail. Is the, the, <laughs> but he's rail. not. My goodness, he was a rail a year ago. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, maybe he's, I'm, I'm. Oh, he's jacked out of his gourd. It's okay. wild. Okay. okay. Totally I, came back an athlete. And, you know, he's he spends the time. He, he's not just working on a farm. He's also working on his body, working on his game. And if he deserves opportunity, what the context of those opportunities look like is totally up to the people that are tasked with developing him. And that is an even bigger project than, you know, me sharing my thoughts on what a a goaltending situation should look like. I I mean, it's a good problem to have when you have multiple guys that they feel comfortable with. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and I mean, if he's a, if he's a closer, he's a closer, you know, they've used him kind of in that capacity and, and it's worked so far and, uh, I, I don't know. You, you ride whatever is working at the time. I and, guess. I guess. You know that the old starting pitcher and, and bring in Rivera to to finish it off. It kind of seems like that's the way it's been working. As we speak with Cooper Perkins here, and and my point to that all whole thing, Cooper was like, you look at the top number one goaltenders around the league. They're not taking any load management. They're playing every single week. And I think if you want to be a bona fide number one star in this league, as far as a goaltender goes, you got to be able to be ready to play every weekend and play a full 60 minutes. And I think that's where they want to get Frankie too. And no question about it, O'Reg is, is going to be the future, not only of the Seals, but probably, you know, he's going to be a real shining star in this league for, for a lot of years to come. But right now, Frankie's the guy. And if they want to hoist the trophy over their head at the end of the year, they're going to need him to be able to play a full 60 every single weekend. I'm not like that. That's just kind of where I come out on it. I mean, you're right because the best goaltenders are always going to be on championship teams. Yeah. You know, like we saw it last year in the finals, there's a reason why those two teams were there in addition to, you know, the host of other talented pieces they have. And, and, and it, it, it's a little bit of a simplification, obviously just to say good goaltending wins. But, but I, honestly, I don't know if it is Cooper. Like I, <laughs> you look at the final hey, four I, teams. You're or talking even, to a goalie growing yeah, up, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. If you want to say goalies win all the games. Well, I, then, yeah, all you have to me, do but. is just look at the, the, the six remaining teams that were left in the playoffs last year and look who was in, in net for each of those teams. And they're probably the six best goaltenders in the league. Like I, I don't know if you need to to get into the metrics. Well, we'll do that, Cooper. Don't worry. But I like I, I think it's almost as simple as that. I want you to talk about because this move kind of came under the radar a little bit, and I didn't really find out about it until a couple of weeks into the season. But Billy Greer taking a step off the the Seals bench to to be with his family a little bit more back east, and they bring in Ben Need, who, like I said, I didn't hear whether he's not up on the website, but he's on the bench there with San Diego now. And, and Patty Merrill knows this guy from his days with the Arrows. But tell me about Ben Need. Have you had a chance to catch up with this guy and what makes him tick? Uh, I got nothing for you. Okay. Uh, 
it was as surprising of a move to me as to you. Uh, I mean, Billy's one of my favorite people that I've gotten to meet in the game. So obviously there was disappointment in having him not come back. Um, but, uh, you know, bringing Bill on as part, as part of the, the, the staff is something that totally just showed up one day and I, I got to talk to him. I'm going to try yeah. and get to it this weekend right. if possible, but Fair enough. don't have anything for you there. Okay. Well, we'll find out more about Ben Need as we move along here. Tino. Um, we've obviously, I mean, he's caught some strays throughout this episode so far, but I want to ask you a little bit about Nick Asello, um, because as much as he's a big personality online and everything, and, and some people love him or hate him, you know, like take that as you will. I think that I, I've become a really big fan of him as a member of the lacrosse media and as a broadcaster. I think he's really blossomed into this role that he's found himself in. And I think in tandem with that, I, I think the pairing of the two of you, like, I think you guys go really well together. And especially here in Vancouver, we were really, you know, like blessed to have in terms of NHL broadcasters, we have John Shorthouse and John Garrett. And then in the NLL, we got Jake here with, with Brad Challoner as a couple, as there's a couple of really good personalities that fit together. I'm curious, how has your guys's relationship kind of blossomed in the booth and, and what's he like to work with? Uh, he is so much fun because he's such a jackass in every way. <laughs> and what you see on TV is 30% of what you get in real life. He does not lack for self-awareness, though, no. which I think is something that's important to note because he, you know, he's the self-proclaimed toughest guy in lacrosse online. <laughs> but that's a bit. It's all a bit. Yeah. You know, Nick is one big walking bit. He's a Notre Dame-educated guy who's actually extremely smart and very well-prepared and capable he impressed me more than anything with his interest and willingness to learn how to be a broadcaster because it's something that he'd done none of before stepping into an NLL booth, which is not the norm in any market, especially not one that has a lot of broadcast talent on the executive side in San Diego that expects a lot. And to trust him to step into that role and to learn things on the fly, I think tells you a lot about what the front office you know, felt about him, but you know, he's one of my best friends. It's a, a joy working with him because it's always entertaining and it's always educational in some way. And he is an interesting person that I wish more people got to know about in a way that isn't polluted by <laughs> the online bit that he plays. Oh, I don't think anyone realizes that Nick is like an expert level chess player. Like that's his favorite activity oh, oh. in his spare time. Right. Hi. So there's, there's, there's some range to the guy that doesn't necessarily come through in the toughest guy in lacrosse bit. Yeah. But at the same time, he is that guy. You know, he is the jackass that you see. So it's, it's a, a convoluted cocktail that is a lot of fun. And it's my job to try and bring out the right amount of that and also put him in a position to be the intelligent, smart person that I know he is and try and find the happy medium between those two things. And, you know, sometimes we hit on it and sometimes we miss on it. And thankfully, people have been mostly patient with us as we've done that. Not everyone, but when you're trying to do something that's fun, not everyone's going to like it, and that's fine. So it's something that we're working on. I think it's all a work in progress, because at the end of the day, I think we've done 12 games together, 13 games together, something like that. So... I'm happy for the chemistry that we've built and some of the product that we've been able to put out there. But I think he would agree with me that there is a whole lot of work to be done. I mean, we'll be talking on the phone tonight, you know, gearing up for the Vegas game and uh, the Seals Vancouver game. So we, we've got a lot of work in front of us to, to round out what we want to be 
a very fun and very informative and capable broadcast booth rather than just, you know, a couple of guys who admittedly are having a great time together. (laughs) But I I think that we, we want to be more than that. And I think he'd be the first person to support that idea as well. Yeah. If you don't uh, give a cello a follow on, on Twitter, do that, but just prepare to get triggered. Like, I don't know (laughs) if anyone controlled quite like, Nick Osello. And, uh, I mean, just look no further than, than the profile pic Cooper, where he's got you all crossed out there and he's like wearing a crown and he's got your face blurred out on it. What do you, how do you feel? Uh, I, I, I love it. If he changes it, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> all right. Uh, last one here for me, Cooper Perkins is I want to get this in lax metrics. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like a bit of an older generation here and I, I kind of got into sports and broadcasting to get away from the math. Like I'm not the math and me are just one plus one does not equal two. So I don't know if it's like, I, I don't understand what I'm looking at, or maybe I'm not reading it the right way, or I'm not looking for the the right things, but you're a finance guy that's turned into a broadcaster. So obviously this marriage between numbers and math and, and sports has, has really kind of, keyed your interest here but tell me about lax metrics how it was born and and what what are you hoping to kind of get out of it and and what what can a guy like me learn from it that's a lot of questions but hopefully you can figure that out i think its central mission is dual directional the two things that i'm trying to accomplish with it are to expand the box score to include some other things that we don't have a history of tracking that would be useful to know about. And the other aspect is to take the things that we already do track and combine them with some of those things that we haven't historically tracked and use math to try and find where we can learn things. I don't work in a front office. I am not a personnel person. I am not uh, in any way responsible for trying to build a roster so the idea that lax metrics should tell you how to build a team is not an idea that i'm going to get behind nor am i going to present what i will say is i think that there is something interesting in trying to look at the game a little bit differently and the idea originally came from a couple of conversations i had with some super smart people uh one of the most influential being doug locker who Jumbo, you probably know pretty well. Very well. His time up in Vancouver. Yeah, great dude. But some of the ideas of, you know, I wonder if, I wonder what it would look like if you separated out the assists, you know, something as simple as that, to which my thought was, I wonder what it looks like if you tracked all of the great passes that didn't turn into assists. You know, maybe we can learn something from the guys who don't have the numbers, at least not in quantity, that would jump off a box score at us, but still might be contributing. And from there, Things have kind of developed a little bit just through curiosity. But the goal isn't to change anything. The goal is to be able to expand the conversation a little bit and look with an added lens. Because, you know, the guys like yourself that have a lifetime of experience around the game and seeing the game and playing the game are always going to have a tremendously refined expectation and perspective on what the game should and can look like. I have a little bit of a different perspective on things because I didn't grow up playing the box game. You know, I grew up playing lacrosse, yeah. but field lacrosse is wildly different. So That's I have a love for the sport in a big picture sense, yeah. but I also have the freedom to try and look at things a little bit differently. 
And so the, the lax metrics thing really isn't without a, yeah, it, it, it's without a goal. There's no Endgame. trying to convince anyone of anything. It's just to try and have something that's interesting and a little bit different that if people want to talk about, they can. Okay. And if they want to dismiss it, that's totally cool. I think a good example of that is put out some projections for the season that were you know, fairly simplistic in how they were put together. Just didn't have a whole lot of time to really work on the math behind that algorithm. But some of it was interesting. Some of it was hilarious because it's obviously not going to be how things play out. Well, I want to say this, Cooper. I want to say this. I want to just speak to this because I saw you put out a tweet saying Westberg has been consistently one of the best, if not the best forward in the National Lacrosse League so far this year. That's not just this year. That that's that goes back to the beginning of last season. Okay. Uh, when you expand things out and put it in a context of an expanded box score that is a little bit wider in its scope than the traditional box, and combine it with some math that allows us to look at things like efficiency in a way that we haven't been able to quantify previously, Wes is one of the most valuable players in the league and consistently shows up, whether it's in the lax metrics war, wins above replacement, where we quantify a player's value in terms of wins, or it's in terms of his offensive rating, which is kind of the lacrosse equivalent of a quarterback rating that we see in the NFL and college football. He shows up in the top 10 or 15 always, Hmm. and most of the time it's the top five. And that's one of those instances where I'm going to tweet something out that isn't my opinion. It's just me reminding you what those numbers say. Gotcha. And if you think it's stupid, that's fine. If you think it's cool, that's great. (laughs) But the point isn't to convince anyone that Westberg is a top five forward. It's just to say what the numbers say. It's just math at the end of the day. And math doesn't have intentions or feelings or an agenda. It's just numbers being played with in a manner that, hopefully is interesting yeah well i mean i watched westberg since he was like 13 years old so i probably could have told you that without the math (laughs) cooper but uh, what do you think he ranks if you had to rank him where do you think you'd put him in the forwards (sighs) top 20 top 20 okay see top 20 and top five are different yeah we can both agree that he's a fantastic player regardless of how you look at it yeah but it's kind of a bold statement to say that he's a top five player like the numbers suggest right have you heard this buffalo is a good lacrosse team you know, <laughs> once or twice I've heard that, and I, I think I even saw it once in the numbers, but didn't believe my eyes. Yeah, no, I was, I was oh, we were talking earlier. I said if I get on coast to coast this year, I said that's going to be my burning take. Buffalo was good. Uh, hey, if you can, if you can like do up a spreadsheet to to let me know when like garbage day is or something, that that could be helpful to me. Oh my god, <laughs> that could be. Helpful. Anytime you send me over the municipal calendar, and we'll put it together there, for you. There you go. Uh, I just got one more for for here, Cooper, and and I like to ask this whenever we have broadcasters on because I'm a, I'm a guy that's I mean hopefully in the early stages of his broadcasting career, but also for any if there's any young sports fans or or young lacrosse fans that are that are listening, um, that are interested interested in a career in broadcasting, I'm I'm interested to hear what your you know like best advice that you could come up with for any young aspiring broadcasters. Yeah, man. I think there are two pieces that will never serve you wrong. And those two things are say yes to everything, because once you stop saying yes is when the opportunities stop coming. And it's not about you. 
no one is turning on the TV to see you. They never are. They never will. With rare, rare, rare exception of a generation that for the most part is gone at this point. And because of that, your job is to offer something that the people at home cannot get. And generally speaking, that is access. So our conversations that we have with coaches and players and things of that variety are something that the folks at home do not get the privilege of having. So because you as a broadcaster get to have access, treat that as the valuable jewel that it is because it's the only thing that makes having you there worthwhile in any way. Otherwise, you're just another person that's spouting stuff that can be found fairly easily on the internet. So if you're a young broadcaster or someone who's curious about broadcasting, that first opportunity, say yes to it, whatever it is. You might not know what you're doing, and that's fine. Just say yes, give it an opportunity, and try to do something that is valuable by using the access that you have. Yeah, those, do- those two things will always be evergreen, I think. And we're two of the best pieces of advice that I got very, very early on in my journey that I still think about on a daily basis when I go to open up my prep work and try and figure out what I'm going to focus on for an upcoming broadcast, whether it's on you know ESPN or some little live stream for a tiny university in the middle of nowhere. The principles are the same. Try and do something that's valuable and remember that it's not about you. I- Honestly, I think every person that Tino has asked that has given that same answer is say yes to everything and, and then kind of added on to, to the end of it like like you just did there, Cooper. I told Tino right from the start, you're not going to get it done off your looks alone. It's just not going to happen. I, he might. Yeah. I don't know. No. Don't, don't chop well, the guy well, down. I mean, uh, I mean, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Cooper, um, really appreciate your time here on Lax Class. This is a lot of fun. we got to do it more often. Keep up the great work with Lax Metrics. Keep that Ocello guy in line, and uh, best of luck this big weekend for you, man. I know you got Vegas and then uh, at home for Vancouver, San Diego. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the calls, and thanks for doing this. Thank you, fellas. Say a prayer that we make our flight on Saturday morning. <laughs> All right. I'll do that for the creator, buddy. All right. Take care, fellas. There you go. Cooper Perkins, voice of the Seals, and uh, him and Nick have parlayed that into the Western crew for the ESPN Game of the Week, and they have themselves a weekend on deck here, Tino. Friday in Vegas, back home in San Diego Saturday night. How good is that? Vegas Friday, San Diego Saturday. Man. Yeah, not too shabby. And I'm I'm really looking forward to I know obviously Vancouver is off to a less than ideal start, mm. but I I like what Cooper mentioned there about or when he was talking about Vancouver San Diego specifically about how those are two fiery teams when they play each other and that's a big rivalry game. Um so I'm excited to see what Vancouver can come up with despite you know, still being winless. Yeah, at this point. I think it's going to be a gooder and look forward to it all. You can check them out. ESPN plus TSN.ca. I think the, the Vegas game is on ESPN news this weekend. So, you know, all the regular spots to, to check out your national lacrosse league action, do it full slate of games this week. You know, half the podcast is done half of it to go. Let's get to halftime here on EP 216 and third quarter action is coming up. Lax class locks are on the other side. Keep it right here. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
Hey, this is Randy Stats, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the second half, third quarter action is underway. Thanks for joining us. It's Jake Elliott, Santino Farah, and Associated Labels and Packaging are with us as well. Still haven't had a chance to hook up with the Ashworth crew over the holidays here, but that will happen. He's on some sort of high right now. His Niners have won like 10 games in a row and uh, look to be front runner. Maybe go to the Super Bowl. We'll see. But Associated Labels and Packaging is a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. Over 40 years of experience and extensive product catalog, an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. AssociatedLP.com, Labels and Packages, is where you want to go as uh, we move into quarter number three. That means I have to tell you to give us a follow on social media, at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, at Lax Class on Twitter, Facebook page, email address is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Santino is at Ferratino. I am at PXP for sports. If you want to give us a follow, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, review the podcast, five stars only. And a couple of words down there would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Here in quarter three this week, Tino, we're doing Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare block of the week. It's a big luck, all right. Lax Class Locks, presented by Cool Bet Canada. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Uh, I was solely responsible for the parlay last week, so we don't need to, to kind of talk about that too much, Tino. Wasn't pretty. One for three. I'll tell you what, man. I You know, I've been dabbling in NFL and NBA and NHL because i got to stay away from the NLL, but Man, oh man, I can't tell you how many times I went two for three this past weekend on on my parlays. Like, it just mind-boggling, man. Like, two for three, like, 12 times. That means you do, I think. You don't win when you go two for three, Tino, just so you know. So, account took a a bit of a beating over the weekend. We got a rebound here this week somehow, some way. Maybe we'll get into uh, some Monday Night Football here. Bengals and Bills coming up. That should be a tasty affair. But we're going to focus on lacrosse here this week for the Lax Class Lock, of course, presented by Coolback Canada. Before we get into that, Tino, I got the month of December is over, which means we have a contest winner for our screenshot of your NLL bet when you tag Coolbet and tag Lax Class on Twitter. Of your bet on CoolBet, you get entered into a draw for CoolBet swag and some NLL tickets for whatever market you may be in. And we had a lot of submissions for this, Tino, but one guy submitted more than any other. And I believe he hails from the Maritimes, big fan of the pod, Ron Josie is this week's winner and uh 
I believe, Greg, I don't know how we get in touch with Rob. We'll have to figure this out. We, we didn't really plan that far ahead, Tino. But uh, either myself or Patty Gregoire will be in touch with your uh, Cool Bet prize pack. Rob Josie. Big one. First one. Yeah, Congratulations. December's winner. So don't forget, when you make a bet on the National Lacrosse League on Cool Bet, screenshot it and then tweet at it, Lax Class, tweet at Cool Bet Canada, and you get entered into the draw. To win. And while you're at it, if you're new to the podcast or you've never signed up on CoolBet, well, no better time to do that. Why, you may ask, Tino? Why, you may ask, Tino? Oh, you want me to ask why, Jake? Yes, that's kind of the, the shtick I was going with here. <laughs> uh, why is because when you make your first time deposit and you use the bonus code LAXCLASS, the good people at CoolBet Canada We'll give you free money. Up to $200, they will match you. If you put in $200, they are going to give you $200. I don't know anybody else doing this, Tino. All you have to do, sign up for an account. Before you make your deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS and free money, courtesy of CoolBet. So there you go. Do that. And, uh, and then once you've done all that, go in the search bar there and search up Lacrosse Classified. And this little parlay We'll be here waiting for you. Do you want to lay out the parlay, Tina? I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. Yeah, I can lay it out if you uh, if you'd like me to. All right. Uh, all right. This one, the first one that I'll name is my pick because you got uh, you took the other two. So uh, we just... got the over in twenty two and a half. I don't have the number in front of me, Jumbo. Do you, what? What's minus, the? What are the I want to say minus one oh eight for that. Minus one oh eight. For the over of 22 and a half in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to go with another over because we know that we like our overs here. The yeah. overs are hitting in the national. I mean, I know that Panther city rush thing was, was an under, but this one's going over. I guarantee it, Tino. All right. That's what we like to hear. The over in San Diego, 23 and a half jumbo. What do we got for odds there? Minus 110. Minus 110. And to wrap it all up, nice and simple. Mm. Halifax on the money line. Straight up, Halifax to win. It's a minus 268, so big favorite there. But uh, we need a win, and we need one bad. So to to recap quickly, money line, Halifax Thunderbirds. Over-under is over in San Diego, Vancouver. Over-under is over in Buffalo and Georgia. And our friends from Cool Bet will make the, you're probably looking at around 525, something like that. So 20 jumbo bucks, you're, you're getting a Cool Bet return of over a hundo on that one right there. Just take the kids' college fund and stick it all down on this one right here to kick off the new year. And let's get rolling. I hope people are know that I'm like seriously like Don't bet your mortgage. Don't bet the college fund. No, 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 do it, and then hold Jumbo personally responsible. (laughs) Financially responsible. No, no. Stay cool and bet responsible here on Cool Bet. Uh, But I'm liking this one here, Tino. I I think this one's coming home. So uh, get after it. Lax Class Lock, week six. It's coming home. Book it. All right. Lax Class Locks are done, Tino. Quarter three is done, and that means just one more quarter to go here on the program. And it's your favorite podcast game coming up. Who you got in quarter four? EP 216 is back up to this. Hey, this is Logan Schuss. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and boxer cross. And now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Quarter four is underway. Welcome back. 
no more breaks here on the podcast, but what I do have to, to let you know is about our brand new sponsor on the podcast here, one Mitch Jones. Mitch Jones, realtor with Royal LePage Sterling. Reach out to him. You can find Mitchie on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I think he's got a Facebook too. Or if you got the digits, I'll, I'll have that information email. I'll get all this information to you. But for right now, if you need to get a hold of Mitch, find him on social media. Slide into the DMs. I know they're open. He has a full team behind him buying and selling and investing and making it easy. Royal LePage, Mitch Jones Real Estate. He's gonna he's gonna start to let us know, you know, what kind of trends are coming up, what the what we can expect with interest rates, what the market's doing, where it's going, where it's been, all that sort of stuff. Because I think a lot of people need this information, myself included. Whether you go fixed mortgage, variable mortgage, do you do you want to pay it down in one lump sum? All these questions. You're a young man, Tino, that could be into the market sooner than later. So uh, this is all valuable information that we're going to get from Mitch Jones. And then, you know, if you got a if you got a place that you need to sell or you got a place uh, that you need to buy, Mitch Jones is is your guy. I think I just came up with the slogan right there, Tino. I think we should do as part of this. Maybe we make this a segment where every week Mitch Jones has to teach me something about uh, the real estate business because I am the dumbest idiot that's ever dumb ever. <laughs> and the uh, dumbest I, idiot that's ever dumb. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I've just assumed to this point that I will probably never own a home as long as I'm living, especially in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or in the lower mainland. I so maybe Mitch can change my mind by teaching me something about the real estate. He might. Uh, if you need a place to sell, if you got a place to sell or you need a place to buy, Mitch Jones Real Estate is your guy. Right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> quarter four, who you got, which is uh, also brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Now, Tino, you mentioned these these Blundstone boots. Well, actually, let me run the, the little... Uh, little sound effect here first uh it's time for who you got it's time once again to play your favorite podcast game who you got you got stampy tax who you got uh tino you went out and bought yourself or bought your girlfriend a pair of blundstones for christmas tell me about your experience at stampy tack in westernware legitimately could not have been a smoother and easier experience we've talked about i think like your your go-to line is kevin michael winkler is the nicest human <laughs> i'm on not the lying planet. i'm not lying i swear so i went in there a, a couple weeks before christmas to go in and pick these these boots up for jen obviously like like hooked us up pretty big and 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 said hey if the size is incorrect come back in here we'll exchange it like no issue so uh the size was just a little bit off so had to go back in after christmas um go get it sorted out so now jen is in the store with me and even better even better and kevin is just the most knowledgeable person about everything in this store and uh, that should be a given it's it's his it's his place but it's not always like that with with store owners he is is walking jen through like 
three different styles of boots, trying to find the one that's the right size and the right style for her. The the ones that uh, that she wanted ended up being on order, like they were on their way in. So it takes her number down, gives her a call a couple days later when they come in kind of thing. And then after this whole ordeal of, I mean, not that it was like a painful experience by any means, we officially have the boots. They're the ones they fit. He hooks her up with uh, the whole like shampoo kit for Blundstones to make sure that the leather stays stays quality and I so on it. and so on. So I cannot recommend that place enough. And I'm not a Western guy. I'm a city kid. Yeah. And I cannot recommend the experience in that store enough. They it, are incredible. It it is it is truly an awesome store. It really is. I, I mean, you would find like I, I always say, you find things in there that you would never expect to find in there, and then some. So go check it out out there in Cloverdale, corner of Highway Ten and One Eightieth. They've been there a long time. You cannot miss it. You're traveling down One Eightieth there, on Highway Ten, and it is a big, big compound like big they gotta get the horse trailers in there and all sorts of stuff speaking of um our week two winner ryan tucker sent us a a great email i'll have to send this over to you tino after he had won and he's of course the son of the hall of famer and now his first name is escaping me i want to say it's john tucker who we had here on last class and ryan became a listener because his dad was on the podcast and he's been listening ever since well he won a week of who he got ryan tucker i didn't know this at the time but he just got his prize pack over the holidays and he sent an email to kevin his first words in caps locks holy moly He says, what an incredible surprise to come back to. I am floored with your generosity and have repped at least one item from your prize pack every day since I've opened it. Thank you so much for sending that my way. I'm so grateful and cannot wait to keep rocking the gear all year long. Happy New Year. I hope you're filled with joy, fulfillment, and good health. So Ryan sounds like a pretty good guy as well, but fired up about his prize pack from his week two win of who you got. Um, Week five winner. Tell you what, you know, this household knows how to play who you got. Renee Rootlinger has one. I believe his wife has one. And now one of the boys in Deegan Rootlinger has won a week of who you got. Beat out about eight, nine other people. Nailed the tiebreaker. Went three for three. And Deegan is getting the prize pack sent his way, courtesy of Stampede Tack and Western Wear. You, however, Tino Farah... <laughs> are not getting a prize pack. You had no chance of getting one. And why is that, Tino? Because I forgot to make one. I was on vacation, okay? Get out of my face. I cannot believe the co-host of the podcast not only forgot to make his picks, and luckily for you, this was a very light week. And I get it. (laughs) It's over the holidays. But lucky for you, it's only a three-game slate, so you don't lose that much ground. But maybe what is more shameful, Farah, is that week after week, I sit here in this chair. I remind people to, to get their picks in. I tweeted it out over the holidays. Hey, don't forget to get your picks in. But I also always remind people that, hey, if you do, in fact, happen to get busy and miss a week, Make goddamn sure you got automatic picks on so you don't miss a week, which you failed to do as well. And you weren't the only one. Brett Challoner as well. 
deserves a little criticism too, as he went zero this past week as well. The only thing missing from this father-like rant is you using my full name. Yeah. (laughs) I had to restrain myself a little bit there. But come on, man. Not only do you not get your picks in, but you didn't have automated picks on as well, which is just shameful. That is absolutely shameful that the co-host of the podcast can screw it up like that. Come on. Yeah. Be better. feel shame. Yeah. Okay. feel shame. All right, so I suppose uh, since, uh, I mean, I did absolutely horrific again last week. Some might say you did shameful. Yes, I think a lot of people would probably (laughs) say that. But I still did better than you. I know that much. So I get to host this week, and we got a big slate of games here. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them again here in week number six. It starts on Friday, January the 6th, and I can't help but feel like I should be down in Vegas announcing this game, Tino, but I'm not, which I'm quite sad about. But Philadelphia is going to Sin City to take on the Desert Dogs, who are looking for their first win of the season. This is a 10.30 Eastern. I'm just going to do Eastern times because that's what it's listed at. I don't want to get confused. 10.30 Eastern time, one and one wings against the 0-2 Desert Dogs. Tino, who you got? I got Vegas. Finally going up an opponent, uh, going up against an opponent that's not from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I think the fans are going to be ready to see a new team. I think Vegas is hungry for a win. They are my three pick. Oh, man, you almost changed my mind with that right there. Ooh, I love that. But I'm sticking with Philadelphia here. I was watching an Instagram video of a a Paul Day pregame speech. I don't know if you saw that come across your timeline. Find me a brick wall to run through. Holy shit, man. Like, I'd never seen Coach Day that fired up before. I didn't know he got like that. But, like, there was about 25 F-bombs in about a <laughs> minute and a half of video there. I was, I was ready to strap it on, man. So I'm taking Philadelphia strictly off of Coach Day's pregame speech that I don't even know what game that was for. Doesn't matter. Taking the wings for a three as well. So that's both our three game there. Intriguing matchup to kick off Saturday's action as two and two. I can't believe Panther City's played four games already. Two and two Panther City going up against, can you believe this, Tino? The only undefeated team in the Eastern Conference. Yes, it's the Rochester Nighthawks. PCLC. Rutch Vegas. Tino, who you got? Uh, yes, I can believe it. And you know what? After this, they're going to continue to be the only undefeated team in the East because I'm picking Rochester. They're going to go 4-0, and and they're my four picks. So I'm not super confident about it, but I'm going with it anyway. Okay, just don't forget to actually make your picks. That's all I'm saying. Just, well, maybe you should. We you go. Know, the further you fall back, uh, the better as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> all right, continuing on here, big Saturday slate. Also, a 7 o'clock start time in Gwinnett County. Buffalo 2-1 and one now after that big win over Halifax, taking on the winless Georgia Swarm, who I think are playing their third straight home game. Bandits, Swarm, who you got? Wait, did you say who you got on the previous pick? I did. You did? Okay. And I said it properly. Yeah, of course you did. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately for the fans of the Georgia Swarm, they're going to remain winless. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo, and this is my seven pick. 
Uh, also, Buffalo for a seven. I like where you're going with that, Tino. I just, I think Buffalo is is kind of back, and they're good. They're really good. Hot take: yeah. Buffalo is good. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever get on coast to coast with Jenner and Gregoire, that's going to be my hot take. Buffalo is good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Halifax, a seven o'clock start as well. So you got three games all starting at the same time, which is not ideal, but it's the world we're living in now, and it's only going to get more and more like that as we increase the schedule and teams and all that. So Halifax on the road, two and one, going to the capital region of Albany. Albany? Albany? Doesn't matter. Firewolves are one and one. Tino, who you got? The Firewolves fans might be upset that you just said it doesn't matter how (laughs) how you pronounce where they're from. Postman Rocks is going to have a word. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I think I said, this has to be a big bounce back game for Halifax and I think they're going to get it. This is my eight pick, uh, go T-Birds. Tina, we're, we're just like connected at the hip right now. Halifax <laughs> for an eight for me as well. Did you see Glenn Clark, uh, out there in, in paradise in Hawaii over the holiday break surfing? He had the surf top on though. I, I, I kind of <laughs> wanted to, to give it to him a little bit. I like, I would probably wear one, but if you're Glenn Clark, like, Tarps off, man, if you're surfing in Hawaii, dude. It reminded me of that picture that went viral a few years ago of Mark Zuckerberg with the face full of sunscreen <laughs> on the wakeboard or whatever. Oh, man, he's never going to come on the pod again. Um, I know I'm going to hear this from, from Will Johansson's mom and my DMs on Twitter. Anytime I pick against the Firewolves, she's she's all over me. But I'm doing it again this week. Halifax for an eight. You got him for an eight as well. All right, 7.30 start. Toronto is going to Long Island to take on the Riptide. Toronto 1-2, and two, a little surprisingly. Riptide 0-2. Oh you know, that's not going to last all season long. Interesting matchup here. Rock, Riptide. Tino, who you got? I think this one is going to be a tighter game, but... With both teams needing a bounce back from how they've played previously, I think the experience of Toronto is going to take over. So I'm picking the Rock for a five. Come on, Tino. I got the same thing. Rock for a five. Rock for a five. (laughs) That's unbelievable. It's almost like we talked before this, but we did not, which is, uh, okay. I don't know whether to, to be excited about my picks because they're the same as yours or be scared about my picks because they're (laughs) the same as yours. I guess we're about to find out. All right, here we go. Couple of nightcappers on Saturday. I'm still longing for Sunday lacrosse. It's coming. But Roughnecks and Mammoth will hook it up from Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Later start there in Colorado, I guess. I don't know why, but uh, normally they start at 6. They're starting at 7 or 10 o'clock Eastern. Mammoth 1-1, one one, Roughnecks 2-1. Tino, who you got? I can't wait for this game. I think anytime it's Miloski versus Coyle, mm. uh, I think it's always a hot battle. Yeah. And this one got voted as the flash game of the week as well. So that's exciting. Uh, but I got Calgary taking this one, and it's oh. my two pick. Finally, we get a differentiating Ooh, pick. I'm baby. taking the Mammoth. I got him for a four. I know Calgary's kind of been in a bit of a groove, but I, I think the Mammoth's sitting at home here. They're going to get above 500. And uh, they're going to beat the Calgary Roughnecks at home. For the defending champs, 4-4, 4-4, Tino. Final game, 
Pachanga Arena, SoCal, San Diego in January. Sounds pretty nice to me. Warriors 0-3, Seals 3-0. Tina, who you got? I think, ultimately, I have San Diego for a six. Hmm. But when these two teams play, there's always fireworks. So I actually think this has the potential to be a lot closer than people are anticipating. But I still think San Diego's taking it for a six. I hope, I hope the boss understands my rationale here, Tino. I'm going. Oh, man. I'm going. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going with the Don Taylor reasoning here, where obviously I I'll just say it, I want Vancouver to win this game. I want to be very very clear about that. Sorry, San Diego fans and Merrill and Govan and everybody. I want Vancouver to win this game, but I'm going to pick San Diego because Vancouver's 0-3, and I've picked them every time they've lost. So now I'm going to try and change up the fate. Take San Diego with the hopes that Vancouver wins, and if they don't, then I guess the pain gets a little lessened because I have the Seals for a six. So hypothetically, if Vancouver wins this game... I'll be happy. But if your theory is they lose when you pick them... If they win, are you just going to not pick them anymore? I, if that's what it takes, if I am ready to make that sacrifice, Tino. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. New year, new you. Well, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to do whatever I possibly can to help the boys along. And I mentioned off the top there, a bit of a change in Vancouver as the Warriors have parted ways with the Deep Fryer. Steve Fryer released Ethan Woods, signed to the active roster, and it looks like the, the change has, has begun here. Troy Cordenley going to go with the youth in goal. And I don't know if that is going to be the end of the changes quite yet either, Tino. I think there's more to come here with Vancouver. Uh, 0-3 start, something had to give. They weren't happy with the, the game that Fryer. And, you know, I like Steve Fryer. Don't get me wrong. And, and I think he's a solid goaltender, Tino. But he, he had his chance, right? And this is this is a business. This this is a win now league. And when you get your opportunity, you got to make the most of it. And Steve just wasn't really able to do that here in Vancouver. As they get out to the 0 and 3 start, the numbers weren't great. And inevitably, the change comes. Yeah. And I mean, you said it right there. It's a business. And Vancouver needs to be in the business of winning. And if they're not winning, then what's, what's the first thing that everyone's been talking about in the offseason? It's, it's the goaltending. What's the goaltending going to look like? hasn't looked the way they wanted it to, so they have to make a change. So there you go. So we'll see how it all plays out. Once again, don't forget to get your picks in. Tino, did you set the the the, the setting to automate your picks too? Like you got that figured out now so you don't... Save and apply, baby. It's all done. No, not just the save and apply. I know, no, okay. no. Okay. It's done, and I saved and applied. If you're looking for that... <laughs> Where do you find that? Uh, under the pool menu, standings, all that. You'll find it in there. Just automated picks. You can set home teams, away teams, random teams. After the start that I've had, Tino, I honestly considered just picking the home team every single week. And just see. Just see, like, if I did that for an entire season, who knows? Like, I think I would come out on the right side of things. And right now, I am, like, well below 500 in my picks, which is it's a little concerning, quite frankly. It's uh, making my question my, 
myself a little bit. But we'll see how this week shakes down. Big seven games. It's one thing to win like a three-week, you know, schedule. If you can pull off a seven-week schedule win, then you know you're you're on to something. So good luck, everybody, in week number six. But I think that is going to wrap up EP216. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate you listening. Happy New Year, and welcome back to Lax Class here. A big thanks to Cooper Perkins for stopping by the podcast to our Fabulous sponsors here for 2023, Stampy Tack, Rycor Construction, Coolbet Canada, Associate Labels and Packaging, and Mitch Jones Realty. All on board for 2023. Thanks to you, Santino, for, for co-hosting. And we'll be back next week, every week, right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. EP217 is next. But now we are out of here for Santino Farah. I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on two feet. For the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.